live from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. We're sitting in a very good situation to make some decisions that can change the fortunes of, of this organization for a long time. We approach every decision we make as the most important decision we're going to make, but this certainly, if it's not the most important one that we've made in our career, it's certainly up there. Jaguars' new defense uh, GM, Trent Balke. It's the Ellison. It's an important year. It's an important year for this franchise, and it's an important year for a lot of reasons. And I think that you're going to find out really quick how you can evaluate talent, which might not be the fairest of things after one year, because let's be honest, we have, there's players like C.J. Henderson right now, Caleb on chase on, where the jury's still out, right? Caleb on chase on for a lot of the year. I've said this many times, was playing out of position. Now, at the end, he showed some promise. Um, he started to get his bearings within him a little bit. But now you're going to ask him more than likely uh, to have a new role. Now, that role is going to be something that he's accustomed to, having played at LSU in a 3-4, but it's going to be a new role nonetheless. And then you have a guy like C.J. Henderson, who showed promise week one, week two, but then as the season progressed, it seemed like he got worse, which is never a good sign. So it's hard to judge a draft class after one year. Now, maybe I don't have the answer. I don't know, like, do you go after two years? Do you go after three years? But it's going to be very telling this year, uh, due to the contributions of Chase on and, and C.J. Henderson, just what that their draft class is going to be all about. And, and there's other guys, too. He's Shaq Quarterman, obviously. But keep this in mind. And Trent Balky is a part of this. But we get the sense that Urban Meyer is calling the shots here. So when Urban Meyer comes in, and for, for whatever reason, I'm not saying this is going to happen at all, but let's just, you know, theoretically, let's just talk about this right now. If Urban Meyer comes in and says, you know what? I think there's a better guy than Caleb on Chase on right now on this team. I'm going to start him over that. That organization wouldn't bat an eyelash at that. That the, I, I mean, if it was to happen, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't come out here and say, well, how are you going to sit a first-round pick from last year? Because simply put, Urban Meyer, Joe Cullen, this coaching staff, they have zero loyalty to the guys who were drafted last year, the year prior to that, and so on and so on. So I'm very curious to see what route Urban Meyer goes here. Because if he brings that college football mentality, the, the the football mentality that he had at Florida and at Ohio State, and he brings that to Jacksonville, well, then it's going to be, and every college coach can attest to this, it's going to be you got to earn your spot, right? It, it doesn't matter if you're a bona fide starter, uh, you know, if you're if you're a former Pro Bowler, uh, if you're a six round pick, undrafted free agent, you got to earn your spot. I wonder if that's what it's going to look like. Or do you take the NFL approach a little more and it's like, okay, you know, these guys have either earned their stripes or they were taken high in the draft for a reason. So we give them the benefit of the doubt until they prove us wrong. It'll be very telling because Urban Meyer bringing the college philosophy over. He's hired a lot of great NFL coaches around him, we think, who, who come with years and years and years of NFL knowledge. That could be kind of a, 
a clash of philosophies, let's just say. And I'm very curious to see where the Jaguars go here. Now, we may never know. We may not get a peek behind this curtain and see what they plan on doing. But we are going to know if Caleb on Trey signs out the starter week one or if he's taking the second string reps in training camp. We are going to know, and I don't think this is going to happen, obviously, but once again, theoretically speaking, if C.J. Henderson isn't the one cornerback, if somebody else is, if C.J. Henderson's going to cover, you know, the, the two receiver or something like that, then we'll have an idea. But right now where we sit, I'm not sure. But I can't stress it enough. It's it's gonna you're gonna find out really quickly what type of scouting department and what type of guys you have evaluating the talent. Because like I've spoken many times in the past, there is no combine this year. There is no you know the, there's pro days and all this stuff. And by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out real quick to Georgia defensive back Eric Stokes, who just ran, and this is a. Uh, this is an HOA combine official number, 424 in the 40 yard dash. Obviously, the record being 422. Now, was it electronically timed? You know, uh, how much stake do you put into it? I'm not sure. But needless to say, Hugh Jackson, Brandon Marshall in attendance or, or, or commenting on it, just said, and I quote, that man just got paid. And uh, that's Hugh Jackson talking. And then Brandon Marshall just said he just made some money. And, yeah, if you're on a 4-2-4-40, you're going to make some money. No ands, ifs, buts about it. And that's the way the NFL works sometimes. Yeah, you put out the film. Yeah, you, you have interceptions here if you're defensive back, and you lay the wallop sometimes. You're not afraid to hit somebody. That's great. But you can make a lot of money over a 40-yard dash. You can make a lot of money over a broad jump or a vertical jump or an L drill. You can make a lot of money doing things that you think wouldn't be that highly, you know, regarded in football, but they all make a they all make sense. I remember my 40-yard dash at the combine, and I'll, I'll be honest with everybody. I'm not going to lie to you. I ran a 4.84. I was hoping, and maybe I was lying to myself a little bit because I put on so much weight. I, I I weighed 276 pounds at the combine. Um, probably should have weighed at a 250, but it was a different era back then. You needed big, you know, 4-3 defensive ends. But to show you how much the game has changed from then until now, I was 6'6", 276 pounds at the combine, and I was doing linebacker drills. Like, the 3-4 defense was kind of, you know, it was kind of on the come up a little bit. But, like, there was still a thought that I could play outside linebacker, 276 pounds. Now, in retrospect, was that too much weight? Yes. But I just thought, well, hey, 276 pounds, it's, it's that sweet spot. I can play a 3-4 outside linebacker. I can play 4-3 defensive end. So I took it and rolled with it. And I put on about 15 pounds out of college. That being said, though, I wanted that 4-6. 4-6 was the goal. Um, I had my Miley Cyrus party in the USA blaring in my headphones. I felt good. I was a little tired because we, you know, it's the combine. You don't get any sleep sitting through these psychological evaluations all day. But I felt good. I line up. Um, I take off too soon. The I, I don't know the guy's name, but you see him every single year when you watch the combine. He's from the Pittsburgh Steelers, the most ultimate stickler when it comes to making sure that your hand and your feet are set for two seconds until you can take off for the 40-yard dash. 
I felt like I was set at 1.8 seconds, but he said, nope, wasn't two seconds, come on back. So that's devastating. That's deflating. So you walk back, you reset, and now your confidence is a little shaken, but I have my eyes on the prize. I'm getting that 4.6. Let's go. Head down, go through my form, which I practiced at nauseum the past two months in my combine training. I take off, look up, 4.84. Immediate devastation. Immediate, oh, no. Didn't want the 4.84. Wanted the 4.6. No. In retrospect, the 4.84, it's respectable. 6'6", 276 pounds. Like, I wasn't winning any track meets. But a 4.84 got the job done. But I wanted that 4.6. And this is the mental gymnastics that I went through after that 4.84. Because keep in mind, you run the 40-yard dash twice. So Austin thinks to himself, okay, I felt good coming out of my stance. That was kind of all I had in the tank, but apparently a 484 ain't going to cut it, so I got to take it up a notch. And as I take it up a notch, what do I do? I tense up my body. Now I'm flexing before I'm getting into my stance, which is the exact opposite of what you want to do. A real quick pro tip for all you future combine attendees that want to that be successful at the 40-yard dash. If you watch Usain Bolt, if you watched back in the day Justin Gatlin or any sprinter, You notice what they're doing with their mouth and what they're doing with their upper body. It is completely loose. You know, like their 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 whole jaws are just moving at you know kind of like at the speed of the wind, right? They're just they're loose, they're relaxed, and they let their lower body do the work. Well, I had in my mind where it's like, okay, I gotta flex through this thing. I gotta gather every ounce of effort and energy and and stick to itiveness that I have left, and I gotta bring out that Midwest tough demeanor. And I, I got to grip myself through this 40-yard dash and show him I can run a 4.6, which is so unrealistic after running a 4.84. But nevertheless, I get in the blocks again. I tense up as hard as I can. I'm like, all right, explosive, explosiveness, explosiveness, explosiveness. I get probably the best get off of my life. Like, I'm like, oh, I've been kind of surprised myself a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, this feels right. So I'm running. But now I'm like, I'm exerting myself. I'm I'm grunting. Um your hands are supposed to be open. I'm making a clenched fists right now. Uh, my, 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 my knuckles are turning white, essentially. I get to the end. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest. The form may not have been the best, but that may be a 4-6. Like, that's what I thought as I got to the end, as crazy as this sounds. Because I'm like, I exhausted myself. I felt fast. I felt quick. One of the best get-ups I ever had. And I look up. I look up because, you know, obviously it's like live television, right? So all the cameras are there on the NFL Network. I look up, 489, and we go to the drills. I'm like, okay, well, the 40-yard dash just wasn't for me that day. It is what it is. But there is a lot to be said about running a 4-2-4 like Eric Stokes did. So, sir, whether it's official, whether it's hand time, whether it's electronic, 4-2-4 is a 4-2-4, and you're about to make some money, sir. So congratulations. Not like it means anything because I ran a 4-8, but it is what it is. Cause how much time we got left? Can I, do, do we have time for a little UFC breakdown before we go to break here? Or are we about to go You've to break? You've got about three minutes. Not enough time, Kuz. Not enough time to break down UFC. But do we have – how long is the interview with Stuart Weber and Ricky Carmichael? I'm really putting you on the spot right now, and I appreciate it. But Hold on. i got to get it. All right. Well, in the meantime here, let's go back to some pro day updates. So I guess Georgia had their pro day today. Um, 
you know, I, I'm really curious to see how these pro days are going to work out. Because, like I said, the combine is big for the 40-yard dash and all that stuff, but you really find out what kind of player you're getting when you take them through the drills. When you take them through a stressful atmosphere of players getting, you know, six hours, maybe seven hours of sleep. When we talk about pro days, it's geared more towards the player. It's set up for the player to be successful. That's why you always, sometimes you see players that say, hey, you know, I have a nagging injury. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'll get you on my pro day. Well, as we've just seen at Georgia, we got dudes running four two fours, and I'm not sure how the drills went. I, I haven't watched the coverage at all, but I wonder if we're going to see some crazy numbers this year. I wonder if we're going to see some record-breaking numbers in terms of the vertical, in terms of the broad jump and the forty and, and everything. I wonder how that's going to tra- you know stand out, and I wonder how much stake we put into those numbers, because once again. If we do it from the past, it's all about those combine numbers. And the pro day numbers come secondly. But I wonder now, since there's no combine, how much scouts and GMs are putting stake into these numbers taking place at a pro day. But I promise you one thing. If you're in a 4-2-4 and you're a cornerback, they're impressed. Enough said, no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Listen, I teased it. When we come back here, I deliver on it. We got UFC 259, Stylebender, Jan Blachowicz. We got three title fights taking place, everybody. And those are three title fights that I got to break down. Next here on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. I'm not the guy that likes to, like, be overdramatic. Austin Lane. Well, you, you're almost in tears yesterday. I was. So. Well, that was a little different. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I'm going to go with Justin Fields, especially if a team moves up to draft him in the top five. And the reason why I say this is this. Without knowing him, I, I just wonder why he struggles so much with defenses who are very good at taking away read number one, read number two, a la the Northwestern game, you know, late in the football season. That was something that really stood out to me. He looked like he didn't have enough answers, whether it be he himself, whether the offense didn't have enough of them built in, but it just looked like he froze and panicked and started making bad decisions when it wasn't so clear and easy and defined for him. Who's that, Coos? Lewis Reddick. Lewis Reddick. Talking about, well, really the the slippery slope of Justin Fields. I've alluded to this before. I've said that the bad of Justin Fields is bad, right? I mean, he, he looked lost out there. The interceptions that you saw, um, they are definitely worrisome. But I've also said that the good looks very good. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad that... If the Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence at number one, they don't have to worry about it. When we talk about like the ultimate boomer bust, I think the obvious guy would be Trey Lance because obviously he's only had one game this this past year, so we haven't really seen a big sample size. But you get the sense that Zach Wilson's going to be okay. I think you get the sense that if Mac Jones can find the right team and the right offense, he's going to be okay. Kyle Trask, we'll see. Kellen Mond, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not sold on him, despite what Chris Sims says. Fields might be the ultimate boomer bust guy, though. 
because, like I've said, the good that we've seen when he's been injured on the biggest stage has been fantastic. But the bad that we've seen compared to Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, the bad is probably below all those guys. So it's a roller coaster, man. We're talking about Justin Fields. We'll see what happens there. But I teased it, and I could talk football all day. But I got I got other passions, everybody. And we've talked wrestling already today. And as you can tell, my co-host Brent Martineau uh, is out today on a little vacay, I believe. I think was that was that the thing. We never even asked him where he's going. I honestly had no idea. I was texting him like he was coming in. Like oh, you thought it was coming when in? We were, when we were texting before the show, I was like, you better start reading those emails, Coos. Well, yeah. No, it's okay. <laughs> that was me. No, you're all good, man. Hey, doesn't change your game at all. You're still doing the right job. At the end of the day, I still have to press the right buttons. Yes, you do, and you're doing a fantastic job of it so far. Now, whatever the whole thing says about the ESPN 690 stream chat or the chat I'm working or the on stream, that. you don't have to work on it. I'm just saying mighty confusing, mighty, mighty confusing. But obviously another thing that I like in the sporting world is ultimate fighting, is MMA, mixed martial arts. I do it myself, and I love talking about it, and I love talking about big cards. And UFC 259 might be one of the biggest ones of the year. I mean, we have three, count them, three title fights. Now, let's be honest, check your local listings, but this thing could be going to 2 o'clock in the morning, and so be it if it does. But the main event, let's start with that, and let's work our way down a little bit. The main event is one of the most intriguing matchups, I feel like, of the year. When we're talking about Israel Adesanya, a.k.a. the style bender, who I've mentioned many times on the show before, taking on Jan Blachowicz. Now, style bender is a minus 250. Jan Blachowicz is plus 195. <clears throat> Keep in mind, style bender for this fight is m- making the move up. He's going from 185 pounds to 205 pounds. He weighed in today at 200, I'm sorry, 201 pounds, which is the third lightest ever for a UFC light heavyweight title fight. Obviously, Stylebender's goal here is to be the champ champ. We've seen this happen a couple times recently. We've seen Daniel Cormier accomplish this. We've seen Conor McGregor accomplish this. We've seen Amanda Nunez accomplish this. If Stylebender was to win this fight, it would put him in the rarefied air of being considered one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all times to hold two belts um, in the UFC at the same time. And I'm sorry, I think Henry Cejudo did that as well. I don't want to forget about him, a.k.a. Triple C, a.k.a. the Cringe Master. When we talk about Stylebender, though, moving up and taking on a guy in Jan Blachowicz who seems to come into stride. I mean, he's the champ for a reason. This was a guy who was on the back burner of the UFC. This was a guy who literally was maybe one loss away from getting let go of the UFC. Seemed to find his stride, seemed to have everything fall into place and make sense, and now what we have is a new Jan Blachowicz. And when we talk about his style and what he brings to the cage, this is a guy who is fundamentally and technically as sound as they come. Whether it's on the ground, whether it's with his striking, like he, he's not going to knock your socks off with a, like, crazy kicks and, and Superman punches and things like that, but his movement... And his striking and the crispness of it, it always sets him in a you know in a shot for him to be successful. And he has the power to boot. He has the one punch knockout power. 
I'm reminded of Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold comes back to the UFC riding the hype train. Jan Blachowicz said, cool, check this out, and boom, one shot is all it took, and Luke Rockhold went to sleep. So the power is something to watch here because if you're a style bender, you're accustomed to fighting at 185, and you move up to a new division, and that, that can mean a lot without a doubt. What I'm going to watch for, though, in Stylebender, and, you know, it's hard to pick a winner here. I'm taking Stylebender. I'm taking Israel Adesanya simply because he showed me so much in his last fight against Paul Acosta, a guy who probably outweighed him by at least probably 15 to 20 pounds in terms of muscle. And that's the thing about Stylebender that people fail to see and they always neglect about him. It's the body type. He's a long, lean-looking fighter. Not a lot of muscle on this dude, but his striking and the way that he approaches the fight game is probably different than anybody I've ever seen. Like, there's hints of Anderson Silva. There's a little hint maybe of John Jones in terms of using your reach. But what makes Israel Adesanya so well good um, and such a hard guy to prepare for is what I like to call the flow factor. It's what I like to call the dance factor, if you will. Now, what, what do I mean by that? You know, to the, to the casual MMA fan, if you've ever been in a cage, in a ring, or on a mat sparring somebody, you quickly start to learn, regardless of your skill set, there's a flow to sparring or fighting somebody. It's like, all right, I throw a combination, I get back, he throws the combination. Okay, he throws the combination, I counter that, I check that, I throw a combination back. There's a certain rhythm that eventually, when you get more experienced, that you feel. And the whole point of fighting and what Stylebender does better than anybody right now in the UFC is he is the master of dictating the flow and changing the flow up. Imagine like you're at you're, you're at a dance club with your girl or something like that, all right? And there's just like a certain flow, right? Like you're, you're vibing, you're feeling it, maybe you're a couple drinks deep. And then all of a sudden the DJ, for whatever reason puts on like line dancing music out of nowhere and you're like what the heck is this right it takes you out of your flow it takes you out of your your mindset all of a sudden you start to sober up a little bit and it's like what are we doing here that's what a style bender brings to the cage where when he has his dance partner and he's showing off his flow all of a sudden he does something that you don't expect whether it's a feint whether it's a kick but something to disrupt the rhythm and when the rhythm gets disrupted, his fighter starts to crumble. And that's what you saw his last fight against Paul Acosta. Paul Acosta could have came full. Let's be honest. In terms of physique and size, there's not too many guys bigger at 185 than Paul Acosta. But when Paul Acosta came forward, what did Stylebender do? He fainted him. He moved around him. And he disrupted the flow. That's going to be the key against Jan Blachowicz, who is obviously probably the bigger, more powerful, and stronger fighter. Can Stylebend, Stylebender disrupt the flow, disrupt the dance, and dance on Stylebender's terms? I think he can. I think he gets it done. And I have Israel Adesanya winning against Jan Blachowicz. UFC co-main event. Amanda Nunez taking on Megan Anderson. Right now, Amanda Nunez, what is she known as? The GOAT. For a reason. She's the champ champ, right? Knocked out Chris Cyborg, took care of Holly Holm, um, has gone through really a murderer's row of women and has never lost a round, it seems like. She's right now at her peak in terms of her performances in the cage. Taking on Megan Anderson, 
who is it true? And keep in mind, this is for the 145. But taking on Megan Anderson right now, who is a true 145er? And this is the question that looms with Amanda Nunez. She's been the bully in fights. She's been the bigger lady in fights. But what happens when she takes on somebody who's a little taller, who has a little more reach, um, who has a very diverse striking skill set in terms of punches? This could be different. Now, going to the Vegas odds real quick, we got Amanda Nunez minus 1,000, uh, and then we got Megan Anderson going the other way at plus 650. It's hard to pick against Amanda Nunez because she is fighting at such a level right now. Now, keep in mind, um, she just had a baby. Uh, she didn't have a baby, but but her uh, her significant other just had a baby. Um, so, you know, so, so now she's going through motherhood. That that can change a fighter for the better or for the worse. I think it changes Amanda Nunez for the better. I'm going to be honest. She's becoming a bigger and bigger star fight in and fight out. If Amanda Nunez was doing movies and commercials and all these types of things, I might be a little worried because we've seen this with Ronda Rousey before, right? When you become a certain status in the UFC, well, then Fast and Furious starts calling. And all of a sudden, you get brought away from your training a little more, and it's about shooting those movies, about spreading your brand. I don't think Amanda Nunez is there quite yet, or I don't think she wants to be there quite yet. I think MMA and being the greatest women's fighter of all time are the most important things to Amanda Nunez right now. So while the look that Megan Anderson is going to give her is going to be different than Amanda Nunez has seen before, I got to take the goat here. I got to go Amanda Nunez. Um, I still think it's her time. I think she's probably the best pound-for-pound fighter possibly in the division, men or women. Like, she's just got that type of skill set. Nothing against Megan Anderson because I'm a huge fan of her as well. But give me Amanda Nunez. Last fight of the night. Uh, I mean, not the last fight of the night, but the last championship fight of the night I want to break down real quick. Coos, we got about five more minutes here. I can, yeah, thumbs are up. Thumbs are up. We're good to go. This is the hardest one, everybody. And this is another title fight. And this is Algermain Sterling taking on Peter Jan. This fight is what we like to call in the business a clash of styles. All right? Now, these guys are fighting at bantamweight. Peter Jan, right now, uh, he's going to be you know, defending the belt. A guy when, from Russia who, when you hear the name Peter Jan, you think, okay, well, he's Russian, got to be good at wrestling. Nah, 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 nah. This guy is a master class in the art of boxing. Some of the best hands, I feel like, in the UFC. Power, speed, crispness, Peter Jan possesses it all. And he's shown in the past that he has athleticism he has the takedown defense to keep the fight standing. And if it goes to the ground, he's very comfortable there as well. Taking on a guy in Algermain Sterling who's been out, you know, he's been around for a while. Um, he's fought the who's who in the UFC. Um, you know, this is his, finally his shot really to, to try to take that belt, to, 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 to take that 135 belt and uh, kind of justify his career, right? He's coming in right now, 19 and 3. The reason why this is an interesting matchup and it's so hard to pick is because Algermain Sterling is known well, he's known for a couple things. But the funk master as he goes by is known for one big thing. And that's the cardio, that's the pace, and that's the grind. This guy's a wrestler. This guy is a wrestler who likes to make it a dirty fight, who likes to hold you up against the cage and says, You're gonna get tired before I get tired. Good luck to you. So we have a matchup here where it's Precision, 
power and striking of Peter Jan taking on the grind, toughness, heart, and mindset of Aljamain Sterling. I'm going to the Vegas odds right now. we got Peter Jan coming in at minus 115, Aljamain Sterling going the other way at minus 105. So essentially, this is a pick em fight. And with all due respect to Peter Jan, this is probably the, the toughest test by far that he's faced in Aljamain Sterling. But it begs the question, where do I go with this one? I think the grind, I think the wrestling, I think the unorthodoxness a little, is that even a word, unorthodoxness? We're going to say it's a word today, everybody. It's Friday. I don't care. I think that of Sterling might be a little too much for Peter Jan. Um, yes, Peter Jan hasn't been striking, but that's the thing about a grappler. That's the thing about a wrestler. You dictate where the fight goes. I feel if Aljamain Sterling can make this a dirty fight, which he very well can be, I think we have a new champion, everybody, at 135. But we'll see. I mean, it's like, like I said, it, it's a pick em fight right now. Maybe my opinion changes a little bit, but give me Aljamain Sterling. Give me Stylebender, give me Amanda Nunez, and give me Aljamain Sterling. There's plenty of other great fights to break down, but unfortunately, we don't have that much time. We're going to break here. I'm not trying to make coups too mad, but UFC 259, you know what I always say, everybody. Check your local listings. It's going to be a barn burner. Definitely one you don't want to miss if you're a fight fan. We close out the show next here on ESPN 690. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky in that I have a really good general manager that, that gets to worry about that. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you, I mean, obviously, Andrew and I talk about all of our players and, and all of these things. But uh, I'll just tell you that all of these decisions, it's a business, but things take care of themselves. It, it works itself out. Uh, and, and we're just going to focus, or at least I'm going to focus on the day to day. And as it applies to Baker, I know he's going to do the same. Because I'm going to be honest. I don't care who that is. Who, I mean, who is it? Quick, just go ahead and say his name. Zavansky. Sure, of course. Yep. Browns head coach. Talking about Baker Mayfield. I didn't, I'm didn't. i not going to lie. I didn't listen to it because there's other pressing matters now we got to talk about. Oh. And listen, this is coming from me today who gave you your platform to talk up TJ McConnell. Yeah. I apologize to TJ McConnell. I've been hard on TJ McConnell. The guy posts the most extra triple double of all time. And, you know, I gave him his props. And I thought we're on the same page here. But imagine my surprise when I go on YouTube, I go, you know, to the live feed, and I see the most aggressive chat (laughs) sign on our ESPN 690 chat stream that you can imagine. Or stream chat, whatever. No, it's just chat now. Listen. (laughs) I know. Oh, man. I'm trying so hard to remain calm. We have literally 10 more minutes Wait, of the show, and then we're going to go. You told me you were having trouble with it, so I figured I would just take out the word. Here's what I was having trouble with. <laughs> I was having trouble with the standpoint of it said ESPN 690 stream chat. Yeah, so I changed it to just so ESPN 690 me, chat. like Ron Burgundy, I, whatever I read, I say. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to follow the rules, which I thought was the, the name of the show, and I, I would say ESPN stream chat. I voiced my concern because you scolded me and said, well, it's actually the chat. Okay, The kids are calling it the chat. Yeah. You don't call it the stream chat. Okay, fine. 
But then when you put this giant bulbous red <laughs> marker in the middle of our stream, I feel like that's a giant middle finger to me right now. No. I feel like you're not trying to do the show any kind of help, <laughs> and you're literally trying to come at me right now. I feel like this stream chat, this giant red blob in the middle of our stream, I feel like it's a declaration of war coming from you. No, it is It is um, our colors of our station are red and black. So It's I, white, though. Uh, well, yeah, because I didn't want to put like the black on it. I felt like that would look weird. I needed black it on to, black. Okay, to gotcha. stick out a little, so I did. I did... Red with white. Yes. And I put it where the other chat was. Now, why is it bigger? Uh, that's just because I, I stopped adjusting it when we were messing with it. Because mainly, okay, so here was what was happening. While Take me through your mindset while, right now and why I shouldn't be upset with you what you're trying to do to me. For for anybody that was watching the actual stream yes. while you were breaking down the fights. Yes. You could also see that that was that was being adjusted, and then I felt that's taking away from what Austin's saying. Okay. So I just left it. Okay. Because <laughs> I was, I mean, it was moving around so much. I was just like, I don't want to mess with it. They're gonna not hear what Austin is saying and just watch this yeah. this square moving around the the and, chat. And for those of you listening on the radio, what we're referring to right now is if you watch us, you know, via Twitter, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, other things, we have a stream chat. Or we had a stream chat. Now we have a chat because Koo's changed it, and, yeah. and it's ginormous. And yeah. once again, I feel like it's a middle finger torn at me. I'm not going to let it ruin my weekend, okay? We are so close to the end. <laughs> it's been, I'll be honest with you, these past two weeks, I don't, I'm not one to complain at all, but doing the morning show, getting ready for a fight, and then having to do the show by myself, it's been a lot on my plate. Yeah, and yeah. You, you've helped me out, and yeah. you've been fantastic. But and I feel like this, this is the last no, little no, no. Middle, middle finger at me before we head out the door. This is me trying to help you out so that you didn't call it a stream chat and not look cool to the kids. It is what it is. Okay. What kids? I don't know. We, we, have bunch of, we have a bunch of grown adults who can pronounce Bubachich and stuff. I don't know, like, I don't these know how kids. old Big Diesel 54 is. He's Big Diesel. He's Big definitely Diesel. younger. <laughs> He's definitely maybe, maybe, young. I don't know. Uh, God, it's, it's such a bad. It's, it's such a bad. I mean, it's cool. I almost swore, but it's such a cool nickname. I, I wish Big I would have thought of it. Big Diesel. Well, who was the one? The who were we talking to that said they used to be called the Keg? Was that you? The who Keg. Was I around? I was talking to someone the other day that said that they used to call their nickname was the Keg in oh, college, and I was keg? like, that's a very college nickname to have. Well, how convenient was it? You remember? You probably never seen old school. Have you? Have you ever seen old school? Uh, I've. I haven't seen it in a long time. Like but, I put it on Will the Ferrell, other day, and yeah. Will Ferrell, my my fiance, made me turn it so, off. So. You know the whole phrase, Frank the Tank? Yeah. Well, back in my high school days and back in my college career, um, I might have dropped a couple beer bongs, you know, and when I say dropped them, I mean like world record time, and when I did them, they might have uh, echoed Lane the Train. So it, it was it was a good time to be alive. So A-Train wasn't like a... No, I mean, it, it was Lane the Train for a while, and then okay. it's A-Train, okay. and then I mean, yeah, but yeah, what, what do we want to do? But uh, we have a couple of housekeeping notes real quick before we head out here. We got Monster Jam coming into town. I'm sure my son's going to want me to take him to that. We'll see. Uh, you know, there's a lot of sports happening this weekend, little dude, but we'll see what we can do for you. Uh, but we got Monster Jam returning to Jacksonville and TIA Bankfield Saturday, March 6th, and Sunday, March 7th. Tickets start at $20, but you can win yours from ESPN us, by the way. So go to the contest page on ESPN690.com for your chance to enter mm-hmm. and win. Free Monster Jam tickets. Can't go wrong with that. And Cruz, other, what else you got for yeah, us? Yeah, the other thing is uh, this this weekend, this Saturday is going to be Shopability Saturday. Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit ago, but it, it's essentially going out and supporting businesses around town. Uh, there's over 150 of them, from my understanding, that uh, provide employment for individuals with like autism, Down syndrome, 
and uh, other developmental differences. Yeah. So uh, there's an interactive map of these places that you can go to shop and support. Uh, you have to go to connectablejacks.com slash shopability, or you can uh, find it also at ESPN690.com. Fantastic, man. It's um, it's a really cool thing for a really yep. cool cause. I mean, you're, you're helping out a bunch of people, including local businesses. So definitely, I mean, like Kuz was saying, if you want to go on our website, check that out. It's there to check well, out. And, and my fiance and I were looking at some that were kind of close to us, and she's like, so uh, tomorrow when you have the day off and I have to work, she's getting ready for the player. She's like, sure. you're going to go to some of these places and, and buy me some gifts? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, actually, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. do that well, at all. I mean, so, and to set the scene a little bit for those I'm going to buy my own stuff. I'm going to buy know, it for me. Your fiance works at TPC Sawgrass. Yes. Is this kind of like the weekend coming? I mean, is it stress oh, city dude, for her? She is, yeah, on edge, like yeah. ready ready for it to be over, obviously, because a lot of hard work goes into it. I was actually there the other day. We had to sit essentially next to the 17th green. Yeah. As close as I was allowed to go because, you know, I'm not allowed to be there. Of course. But we had to call. We had to FaceTime with um, somebody in North Carolina so that we could get our, our wedding license. Like the, the, oh, the yeah, paper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, because she can't ha- take off work. Sure. So I just had to go there. We're, like, sitting on the lawn as they're getting the, the whole thing the ready. The marriage license ready? And they're like, are you guys uh, related to each other? And, like, <laughs> asking hey, questions. How romantic. All right. What, what was your wedding like? Well, well. <laughs> Yeah, you'd be surprised. We sat next to 17th Green, and somebody asked us if we were related. We said uh, no. There's, there's worse and ways to get married, Coos. Yeah. So you guys are officially married? No, well, we will be. We just got the papers that we have to sign. Okay. Yeah. When are you going to sign them? April 16th. Are you, you going to hold out, or are you going you gonna to go with that contract? So I told my fiance. There's, I, yeah, there's some I can still get out. I can still modern get out. Era, modern, <laughs> the modern era uh, she groomsman. Me, she made me pay that down payment on that paper, that like 60 bucks just to get the paper. She's like, oh, see, you've already man. paid. You're committed. And I was like, that's 60 nah, bucks. Man. Kuz, Kuz, you, <laughs> hey, I'll be your agent, and I'll get you the best deal <laughs> possible. Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in this week. It's been fun. It's been a blast. Have a great weekend. Stay casual. Stay safe. For Justin Kuzart, for Austin Lane, ESPN 690. We'll catch you same time next week, man. Peace. Saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.